Welcome to InfoSecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and expert interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Hello and welcome to the October episode of the InfoSecurity Magazine podcast. My name is James Coker, Deputy Editor at InfoSecurity Magazine, and I'm delighted to be joined by our reporter, Kevin Poirot. How are you today, Kevin? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, uh, James. I'm doing good even though the weather here in the UK is, is really not that great. It really took a turn for the worse. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, as we're recording this, I'm sort of looking outside my window and just non-stop grey skies and, and rain and uh, to think a week ago it was uh it was it was sort of 25 degrees i think so uh, yeah it's been a been a dramatic change but i think that's the time of year with it being october that means it is Cybersecurity awareness month um so this year it's a particularly uh, big occasion with the awareness campaign's 20th anniversary and it's fair to say that the messages around improving cyber hygiene and and behaviors um that is put out by the campaign is more important than ever given the kind of ever increasing reliance on digital technologies that we've we've had in the last few years um and a key message of the the campaign generally it's that it can no longer only be the responsibility of cybersecurity professionals to defend society from cyber attacks. Instead, everyone has to play a role uh, to keep themselves and their loved ones safe online. Um, and one of the pillars of this year's campaign, which has an ov- overarching theme of secure our world, is recognising and reporting phishing. Um, and phishing, as as we all know, in in the cybersecurity world, it remains still remains a primary initial access method for attackers, um, whether it's to steal credentials or launch ransomware attacks or or other types of attacks. um, Phishing is is often the the initial vector for that. Um, So in this episode, we're going to delve into the world of phishing, which has obviously been a topic that we've discussed a lot in the past, but I think there has been a lot of noticeable changes in terms of the tactics used by attackers and in particular, the the growth of AI technology, I think, has really evolved this area. um, so we'll be having a f- couple of expert interviews that we'll be uh, playing later on to explain some of these trends that we've seen and also how to improve training and awareness in this area in light of such the, such trends. Um, but before that, Kevin, I just wanted to ask you, um, what were some of the recent stories and research around phishing that you've, you've seen and covered recently? Yeah, well, one story that really caught my attention this month was um, uh, the phishing threat trends report. Uh, published by uh, the email security provider Egress. Uh, This report showed that AI detectors cannot tell whether it is a a phishing email has been written by uh, or or generated by AI or whether it has uh, been written by a a human. And this is the case in 71.4% of cases, which is like three cases out of four. So um, it really got me thinking, like if... AI detectors, which sometimes are also like powered by AI uh, themselves, if they can't detect AI phishing, then how are we going to do it, us humans? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's quite an eye-watering stat, to be honest. And uh, it really does show that we've got a long way to to adapt 
our um, security tooling, I guess, to the to the threats posed by AI, as as well as try and improve um, how humans themselves can can detect such threats. But yeah, it's quite quite a worrying statistic that. Um, and I know Kevin, you you covered this area in a, in a more detail when you spoke to Konstantinos Patsakis, who is associate professor at the Department of Informatics at the University of Purehus in Greece. Yeah, I, I wanted to to speak to to Kostas because uh, he's he's the co-author of two recent papers on on large scale phishing and on the use of deep fakes for malicious purposes, phishing being one of them. And he walked me through some of the new trends that he's been seeing uh, emerging in, in, in the field of phishing. Let's have a listen. Well, thanks Costas for joining us on the podcast. Uh, this year, CISA in, in the US have uh, listed phishing and especially reporting phishing as one of the themes of the Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So today we wanted to get deeper into what phishing means and especially how phishing has evolved over the past few years and how it can evolve in the, in the next few months and years. So to what extent would you say that phishing has evolved over the past two to three years? First, many thanks, Kevin, for having me here and uh, for the kind invitation. I think that uh, currently we are witnessing an evolution in terms of phishing over the past few years, basically because uh, all the services that uh, more or less use have been digitized. And uh, the products, uh, if, even if we are talking about the supply chain on how they are produced or how they are delivered, everything has been digitalized. So practically, this means that the perpetrators have also followed the same path. So what we see is that uh, people are trying to invest, let's say, on this uh, shift in order to monetize from the new, let's say, norms that we have from the market. So if you talked about uh, 10 years ago, about e-banking, about ordering stuff online and all these parts, and that you would receive a legitimate email from uh, your bank uh, asking you to do some stuff online or from uh, someone that uh, supplies you with several stuff on your company, the emails that you would receive were scarce and uh, very, very targeted. Nevertheless, the past few years, this and especially after the COVID era, this thing has uh, completely changed. As a result, you will see that uh, there are far too many scams, uh, phishing scams that try to exploit these parts, have to do, for example, with templates that are using banks or other financial institutions in order to, let's say, convince the user in clicking uh, to specific links or there are that uh, there are specific parcel frauds, for example, that uh, you have ordered something and DHL, uh, for example, or whatever other company of the big ones uh, wasn't able to deliver it because you have to pay something extra that wasn't foreseen initially. The users would actually fall for this because currently they are ordering everything online. They are waiting for parcels to be delivered. Uh, 
they know that their bank will contact them for something uh, has to do with their bank account or whatever, it's simply more easy for them to fall in the trap. In the past, you wouldn't have such accounts, you wouldn't have such interactions. And I feel like uh, when we talk about phishing, there are three things, three areas that we can consider. There's like the platform that phishing scammers and and phishing uh, malicious actors are using. So they can fish you through email. They can fish you through um, multiple other other platforms. There's also the approaches that they take, the different types of phishing techniques. And then there's the technology uh, used. And sometimes they can use technology, they can leverage technology to um, improve their phishing campaigns. So I would like to get deeper into all three of these aspects. In terms of the platforms used, what kind of new trends have you seen uh, in terms of phishing? Is email still the be all and end all of phishing or do we see more and more phishing campaigns used uh, or or going through uh, different platforms? By far, according to numbers, phishing is performed by emails. Nevertheless, this doesn't mean that it does, it is not performed via other platforms. Uh, For example, whether uh, these are SMS messages, traditional, let's say, SMS messages, or it can be performed by, uh, via other online services. Imagine that uh, currently people might create any arbitrary profile on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever, and claim whatever person they want to be. All that you can do is just let this profile mature, meaning that uh, have uh, gradually more connections, etc., and then you can convince someone that, uh, you know, that I have a respectful company and um, that uh, you are going to enter in a, let's say, professional discussion with me in order to start a new venture or whatever. It can be also performed uh, by exploiting links that uh, are provided through social uh, media. So, for example, the case that uh, we are discussing right now, and I send you a link, uh, you are not aware of, uh, you don't see the whole link. If you remember that uh, clicking uh, on Twitter or other social platforms, you have some URL sorting services and you don't see the actual address, it might be something that I have used in order to redirect you somewhere that I would uh, I would like to. And there's also other uh, let's say attacks that uh, you can do, like uh, exploit uh, voice in order to uh, call someone and convince him that uh, you are someone else in order to perform different, uh, let's say, actions that uh, that would be performed for someone that you don't know. Imagine that uh, if you are able to, let's say, trick a voice assistant, it would be also good to. Uh, abuse uh, someone that uh, you are, that uh, knows you. So I could uh, create uh, a bot that uh, starts a discussion with you, and uh, the voice would be mine. Currently, there are several frameworks that allow you to create uh, realistic AI voices. So consider that uh, you have a mechanism in order to, uh, to chat. Uh, you know ChatGPT quite well, so the text that you can have, it's rather good quality. So if you mix this 
with uh, an AI voice that uh, reads this and it resembles mine, I think that you could feel full many of my acquaintances. So you're you're taking us uh, slowly but surely into the world of deep fakes, uh, deep fake videos, deep fake voices or, or recordings. How would you say AI and especially the the latest uh, version of AI, the generative AIs, be it uh, LLM, large language models, or other type of generative AI? How is it going to change phishing or has it changed phishing already? Practically, I think that many of the people who see on their uh, emails, a phishing email, they would probably, let's say, even if, if the email bypassed uh, many of the security mechanisms, they would uh, remove it uh, from uh, their email and they would immediately understand that uh, this is a fake email basically because the contents uh, are not, let's say, very convincing. So, for example, I have received uh, several emails, uh, phishing emails. I remember quite well uh, some of the ones that I received, uh, let's say, last week, which had uh, the text in Greek trying to convince me that, uh, for example, the, um, my university, which is based in Greece, is uh, trying to, let's say, uh, change uh, the passwords. However, that, uh, there were parts of the email that were, uh, let's say, in a Cyrillic um, language, in a Cyrillic alphabet, or it had, in another case, it had uh, Chinese characters, etc. So for me, being a Greek, it was uh, an immediate, an immediate uh, false flag here. That uh, no, 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 this is not the case. Nevertheless, if you uh, seeing the quality of the uh, of the text that is provided from frameworks like OpenAI uh, and all these parts and all these uh, products, you can understand that such operational errors would diminish. Moreover, you can uh, use these platforms in order to tell them that uh, okay, include in the header. Uh, these uh, logos include here this part and this part, and you could make a very, very uh, convincing email, which is uh, which uses the language properly, not like me now trying to speak English, but uh, my native language, I'm a bit more fluent in Greek. But uh, the idea is that um, it's going to be far more convincing than it was before both in terms of language and in terms of uh, visual. And this is something that uh, we will soon see in terms of uh, email phishing. The other part that we are going to see quite soon has to do with uh, the deepfakes that uh, you said and uh, the profiles that uh, you are going to see from people and uh, people that you are already aware. Imagine that uh, currently a video pops up. Uh, we have uh, tension in, in Israel and uh, a video depicts something that hasn't happened. You understand that uh, what the video shows, it's going to, let's say, raise uh, the turmoil even, even more. Not taking sides here at all. How do you know whether this is true or it's generated? I think that uh, 
as human beings, the way that we operate is very visual. So the visual stimulus is very, very important for us. Uh, and uh, in many cases, it's, uh, it overwhelms us. So practically, what I want to say is that uh, if I create an image, of course, the same, whatever crazy thing, and uh, I leave it on the internet, it's going to have a big impact, regardless of what, whether I'm saying something good or bad. Okay? So having this capacity, this capability to create arbitrary images, videos of people doing uh, whatever you can uh, think of and posting them online is going to create very, very big uh, issues for everyone, whether this has to do with journalists or whether it has to do with uh, individuals per se. And to get back to uh, phishing approaches, <laughs> What kind of uh, new approaches have you observed in the past few months? What kind of new techniques or, 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 or schemes do uh, phishing scammers use more than they used to? So currently, one of the techniques that uh, has started, let's say, to flourish is to use, uh, let's say, decentralized platforms for storage like IPFS. Uh, the idea is that currently you are able to use uh, IPFS, which is a decentralized storage solution and has many ways in order to access it. And uh, people are storing the content there in order to make it look like something that uh, people would not be uh, like uh, legitimate. Uh, if you try to uh, to access IPF, uh, an IPFS uh, stored content uh, from your browser, it might, uh, let's say, provide you with uh, many legitimate uh, big companies. I'm not going to name here, uh, but uh, all of them are quite legitimate and they are trying to push IPFS. Nevertheless, uh, it's uh, abused and... Um, People can store arbitrary content and show that it was uh, hosted by them. There are other cases like uh, one that uh, uh, we saw in uh, we showed in the paper that people are abusing, uh, for example, the storage that is provided by Google and other, uh, let's say, uh, big players in order to host their solutions there, so that um, when you uh, when you see the interface and you go to the web page, you would immediately see that uh, the page is legitimate, it's quite listed, uh, it has uh, a certificate that you can trust, and um, it's easy for you to, to see that uh, it belongs to a reputable, let's say, domain, even if uh, the actual content belongs to a fisher. The other case is that uh, they are trying to abuse, it's, it's been something that uh, they are doing for quite many years, but uh, currently uh, it seems that uh, they are bypassing, let's say, some uh, KYC policies. Uh, they're trying to bypass the KYC policies issued by mailing systems, so they would try to use uh, well-reputed uh, 
services in order to have something served directly on your account because uh, many of the mailing systems are whitelisted so that you will just see something that uh, okay it comes from a respectable emailer uh, the platform seems the email body looks good and uh, the service the, the page that i'm landing has a valid certificate so if the visual also looks good the chances of you biting uh, the bait are increased by a big factor yeah that was a really interesting insights there uh, to, to sort of some of the, the the research that he's been involved in around ai and, and deep fakes um and as you alluded to that story you mentioned earlier the difficulties in in detecting um attacks that are using using those sort of technologies in particular i thought it was interesting to hear a bit more in depth about how generative ai can can is helping attackers or can help attackers craft more convincing phishing emails both in terms of language and, and visually and as he points out like um, we, we as humans are, are very influenced visually um so yeah these are definitely areas that organizations must be aware of and, and prepared to defend against at the moment um yeah what were your main takeaways from from the conversation yeah, well, with what Costas, uh, something that Costas said that made me uh, realize how it's not really surprising at all that we see the use of AI for malicious purposes, particularly in phishing. Because um, from as long as we've, as they've been around, phishing threat actors have always tried to look as much legitimate as, as technology allowed them to. Um, for example, they they impersonate uh, legitimate brands, sometimes using typo squatting, so uh, just like URLs or email addresses that look like uh, the brand that you would know, but maybe with a different character. Sometimes they will uh, swap a Latin character for a Cyrillic character uh, that looks kind of similar, but actually isn't. They've also impersonated, uh, they can impersonate colleagues or relatives to break the target's barriers. And, and try to, to win their trust. Uh, they've also used something that they've used quite a lot is, is legit, uh, legitimate certificates, sometimes forged to actually look fully legitimate because um, the person, the target, will think that it's coming from a legitimate uh, software or, or brand or something that has a certificate. So they, they, they think it's legitimate, but it's not. And that's, that's something that they've always been trying to do as much as they, they, they could. And I feel like AI is kind of helping them to do just that, but just on a greater scale. Like for example, with an LLM, with a large language model, you can create a phishing email in perfect English. And then you can combine that with the use of deep fakes and creating that will allow you to create a set of different um, profiles, let's say on LinkedIn, that will um, create so, sort of a pattern, sort of a, of a story that the, the person, the target will probably be more likely to believe because it's coming from different angles. So it's just like, it's just a case of making it more legitimate. And I think AI is quite powerful in, in how it can help in that way. And, and something also that we discussed uh, with Costas that that's not in the recording was how uh, to mitigate this. And truly, I feel like there is no broadly successful uh, mitigation approach, like broadly recognized so far. Um, Costas mentioned to me the, the digital watermarks and the stenographic ways to label a piece of content as AI generated. Uh, I know that a lot of companies, um, whether in, in um, 
generate image generation or text generation. Uh, I know that a lot of companies are trying that, uh, but we've seen and you can you can uh, try to look on the web. There, there's plenty of examples for this. We've seen that these watermarks have um, people have already found uh, ways to bypass them. Uh, it also works way better for images than it does for text. So I think we're still um, we're still yet to find a solution or, or a set of solutions because uh, Costas was was also telling me there's no one size fits all solution. It's probably a case by case uh, uh, thing. But something that that probably if there isn't a solution or if if we need like a few more months or years to find a, a, a set of solutions or, or mitigation approaches for, for these kind of threats, then one thing that is probably key is training. Uh, awareness training and trying to update these um, this awareness training that we've been uh, giving uh, the employees in so many organizations on phishing uh, for a long time and update them to adapt to these uh, new threats. And I think that is something that you um, you mentioned uh, in your interview with uh, Jason Nurse. So Jason Nurse is a, a director of uh, science and research at uh, CyberSafe, and he's also a reader at the University of Kent in the UK. And and it was something that you discussed, right, James? Yeah, the train aspect was quite a big part of the of the conversation. I started off asking Jason about some of the trends that he's seen around phishing tactics. Um, but yeah, then when we really dived into sort of um, how to make both make phishing awareness campaigns and training more impactful and, and resonating with the audience more and also how they really need to be updated in light of some of the trends that we're seeing involving AI and um, yeah it's so important that organizations do do take this kind of advice on board anyway let's let's take a listen now to to the interview Thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. I just wanted to start by asking you, what are the most notable trends you are seeing with regard to phishing attacks at the moment? Very glad to join, James. Thanks very much for the for the invitation. Uh, yeah, phishing is phishing is a big threat these days, and it's being used, of course, time and time again to compromise uh, systems. I would say there are probably three main trends that we're seeing um, popping up uh, in particular. One is related to the influence of AI. The second one is especially around um, legitimacy of, of phishing, of phishing, sorry, other cyber threats, and that's voice, um, voice phishing, essentially. And then also sort of continued changes respect to channels of attack, for example, more, more use of um, and exploitation of data from social media networks or social media platforms, and then using that in the context of, of phishing attacks. But, but if we can explore that or expand upon that a bit more, especially in, let's say, looking into AI, you know, it's time and time again, we've seen We've seen sort of AI tools uh, be exploited by threat actors to to gain or to generate actually highly convincing convincing phishing emails, um, especially to to impersonate people based on information that they can find online. And I think this is a really big threat these days because it allows cyber criminals to scale up quite a bit and also at the same time to 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 create really targeted phishing attacks. You know, this is miles away from. You know, 10, 15 years ago where, you know, phishing, phishing attempts or scams, you know, had typos in, in the email. You could sort of spot it based on that. And now the, the issue is that we have extremely well customized um, attacks and sometimes this leverages, for example, AI tools. And even if I talk about phishing uh, as an example, and this is another, I think, one of the bigger trends we're seeing. And once again, 
um, generative AI, AI tools are, are particularly being used here by criminals to, to, to copy people's speech and mimic people's speech and sort of these idea of text to speech AI models. And the reality here um, is that, you know, if with a small bit of voice or message from someone, so, so someone's speech, these AI models are so powerful that they can actually um, mimic that person's speech. And you can imagine if someone is able to, let's say, copy um, your speech, for example, James, um, and listening to that and then taking that and then using that to mimic your voice to then call uh, one of your colleagues or something like that, you can see how that would be a particularly significant threat because of all of a sudden it's much more authentic. So I think those are probably the main ones we're seeing. Um, and that, that's why I think phishing, of course, you know, remains a significant threat. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows how attackers are constantly evolving in this in this area in particular. I was also wondering, could you tell us a bit about some of the latest research you were seeing and also perhaps involved in regarding how to make phishing awareness training more impactful and resonate with audiences? It's obviously an area that's very big for Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yeah, I agree uh, completely. Um, effective phishing uh, awareness and training really should focus on sort of building targeted skill base uh, and engineering content that, that isn't sort of a one-off information dump, but also sort of tries to engage people uh, over a longer period of time. And I think one of the realities, especially when it comes to phishing campaigns or simulations, is that they can be useful, um, but it's really important to use sometimes to use that or build that into a wider campaign of engagement and a wider campaign focus on understanding people's behaviours um, and then trying to build on or improve those behaviors, especially in the context, and I think this is a, this is a big one as well, especially as, as related to phishing awareness training, in that organizations need to be very, very careful of not using uh, click rates or, or phishing campaigns or simulations to punish people. You know, this, is, this should never be what it's about. It's really all about helping individuals to understand the threats that exist out there and then helping individuals to be more cognizant of the threat um, and also be able to cl more clearly spot what's going on and ideally, of course, to report it whenever they see it happening. Um, and I think in general, when it comes to, to training, um, and I think especially to your point of sort of how to make it more impactful, how to make it resonate more with audiences, I think firstly, we need to understand and be very, very mindful of what are the barriers um, that individuals are facing. Um, so some individuals, for example, are trying to do their job. They're trying to do their job very quickly when they see an email that potentially might relate to their job. They might not necessarily be thinking, hey, I should think this is phishing or hey, I should think this is suspicious. Many individuals are just trying to get on with their job. So we need to understand that as a potential barrier. You also need to understand that training, if you, if you give it, let's say, once a year, you know, but someone is, um, you know, sent a phishing email by an attacker six months later. The reality is they might have well forgot that training. So I think this highlights to make training more impactful. We need to be more consistent. We need it needs to be in sizable chunks and it needs to be continuous. I think these are sort of the some of the key components because real behavior change doesn't come from one off um, one off pushes, for example, or one off campaigns or or just training. It's really all about being there with the individual, being mindful of the barriers they're facing, trying to support them through that process and try to engage them as much as possible. And, and of course, one of the key things is at the right time. I think those are some of the key components I would pull out. Brilliant. That's uh, really interesting, Jason. And 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 just to build on that, um, obviously, some of the trends that you mentioned in your first answer, um, to what extent do you think um, phishing training needs to be updated in light of some of those new approaches 
being used by attackers uh, such as the use of AI and, and deep fake technology? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. And I know, it's, I know it's a question that many organizations are somehow struggling with, really, because the reality is that attackers these days are moving very quickly. Um, they're, they're sort of using these these new platforms, these new technologies to, to make their, their attacks more effective uh, and ultimately try to increase the successfulness of attacks. But I think when it comes to organizations, we need to be similarly as dynamic, similarly as intent on ensuring that any engagement, any advice is up to date. Uh, it understands the context, but it also understands the fact that this stuff will come up and it's really all about making people aware that this is a reality, making people aware this is a threat. For some individuals, they would need to be almost almost nudged to be a little bit more cautious when it comes to certain messages, because the reality is that we can't, as I mentioned before, we can't just look at, you know, we can't rely on typos anymore. We, we need to really be more cautious of the, the message that's coming in, where it's coming from, what does it look like and what is it asking for? Uh, is it a normal ask or is it, could it be something that's actually a little bit suspicious, a little bit uh, unexpected? And I think this is all why it's all about as well, even kind of building on whether than advice, it's all about trying to develop an informal positive cybersecurity culture within your organization. It can't be a static culture um, because static cultures won't be able to tackle these sort of very dynamic, very, very dynamic, very new threats. It needs to be more dynamic, it needs to be informed, and it needs to be changing and, and, and adapting as threats emerge. And this is why culture and really focusing on culture is really important because culture and trying to have a, a very dynamic, positive security culture, it ensures that regardless of the threats that come up, individuals, employees in organizations will still be prepared to respond to them. And you know what, when they're not sure of a particular threat, they're very happy to reach out to someone in the security team that might actually be able to offer some advice. And I think that also is quite important. Um, you know, we need to make security much more open and accessible for people. People shouldn't be viewing security as, you know, the, the department of no, they should really be viewing security as um, an enabler to their job and, and a, a sort of a very open and accessible support uh, function. Yeah, I think that's a re really important point. And as you say, having that culture where everyone feels like they can contribute to security and also um, speak to the security team um, whenever whenever they feel the need to is really important and, and just on that point um, one of the key themes of this year's Cybersecurity awareness month campaign is encouraging people to to report phishing so what actions do you think organizations can take to ensure phishing attacks are regularly reported when recognized or potentially recognized by by customers and staff yeah, it's a really good question. And I think, um, you know, to focus on phishing in particular and reporting, um, but I think even it even, even goes even broader than phishing, because in general, where, where we need to be, and I think this is why culture is also quite important, because when, where we need to be is that when people feel that something has gone wrong or feel that something is not quite right, be it phishing email, be it something that they've clicked on, be it something happening on their machine that they're unsure about, they need to be able to feel confident enough to to report that, to flag that. And I think the way how we we get um, employees in that sort of right frame of mind is the positive security culture, right? The positive security culture that celebrates improvement and success and is is very mindful that employees are in some ways going out of their way to report something, to flag something. I think another thing that we can do is is really spotlight and, and lead from the top. 
um, I think we're making people aware that this is sort of a message from, you know, from top management. This isn't just the IT team. This isn't just the security team. This is a significant push in that if you see something strange, you report it. If you see something odd, uh, you flag it. You, you, if you think that something has happened, uh, has happened, you report it. You report it regularly. As much as you see it, report it. And I think another key thing here is uh, incentivizing phishing reporting. Um, like as I mentioned before, employees often have, you know, let's say a phishing email comes in, they they have the option of um, a ignoring it, b deleting it, uh, and of course they also have the option of of flagging it. And employees have these options, and some employees will just ignore it. You know, uh, you know, ideally they, they don't click on it, but you know, ideally, they, you know, in, in one regard, some employees will just ignore it. But reporting needs that additional step; it needs that additional effort. So this is why I think incentivizing reporting is also a really good thing, and, and sort of giving people, um, you know, some something, what, whatever it um, is deemed to be most important, whether it's a thumbs up, whether it's a, you know, in in your department, uh, you were the one that reported the most. Uh, accurate phishing attempts, you know, well done. I think we need to really think properly about how to incentivize our staff to uh, to un- to understand and consider and actually value the importance of reporting in general. And this, I think, relates to phishing, but it relates to, to anything. So, I mean, it's just like you would see in the context of, you know, whenever tra- whenever I travel on a train or, or going to London um, in particular, one of the things that you hear the most is, you know, see it, say it, sort it. Uh, and the reality there is that reporting is very very important because if if everyone is is happy to report the amount of sensors across an organization are able are significantly more and of all these sensors all these individuals actually reporting anything that they think might be potentially suspicious the likelihood is that if an organization is breached they will be able to find out very quickly about it and the quicker an organization finds out the quicker they can actually act on it and stop the breach or if it is a threat if it is a breach stop it from spreading and this, in the end, benefits the organisation. Of course, it benefits the employees. So I think this is this is where we really need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you, Jason. And again, it comes back to that having that positive cultural mindset around around security. Um, yeah, which is which is a great message uh, to send, I think. Um, but thank you so much for your time, Jason. It's re- really insightful. So appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, what, what did you make of that conversation, Kevin? Yeah, it, w- it was very interesting to what J- Jason said, especially on how to update awareness training to adapt to the use of AI in phishing. I think um, it's not about spotting typos anymore, which sounds like it could be a slogan for next year's edition of uh, the Cybersecurity Awareness Month on reporting <laughs> phishing. Uh, it's something that is really timely. I think uh, people uh, should, should know now. It's like, it's not just like even something that we've heard um over and over uh that's like um the 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 slogan think before you click i think what jason uh mentioned there is like it's not just think about uh what the url looks like or what the the email address looks like or even what like the the language and the and the words look like it's also like trying to think of the content itself and the context around the content of the this email. Why are you send this email um, or this message on LinkedIn? Who's this person? Do you really know it, or or if you don't, like, do you? Is there really a reason for them to contact you? Uh, and try to uh, see the patterns that are uh, going in the background, that are working in the background, that like 
maybe uh, it is legitimate, but maybe double think, double check on uh, why this person is reaching out to you. And that's something that I haven't heard much uh, when when we're talking about um, phishing awareness training. It's usually because obviously you want people to get the basics first to know that like what is a typo typo squatting. What is um, so if the the message is not in good English, it's probably not a legitimate message and things like that. And I think these are still very very relevant. With the use of AI, we will have to probably expand the way we're, we're training people on fishing yeah absolutely it's it's really it's quite quite revolutionary in a way and like you and, and jason alluded to there's the the aspect that ai enables attackers to make to send phishing messages that don't contain typos even if they're writing the the message in in a language that's not not their own um and as you say that was so often or and it still is and it's still relevant and, and it, that's so often the, the message of awareness campaigns is to check check those email addresses check those typos for as key indicators of phishing um but yeah as as attackers use ai more and more uh, tools like chat gpt more and more to to launch such campaigns it's not going to be as simple as kind of as kind of checking those aspects it's scary in a way it's really interesting but yeah it's quite it's quite scary as well and and it just shows that we we have to just constantly evolve um how how we conduct training and awareness campaigns in this area because the attackers themselves are constantly evolving and, and the tools they're able to use as well yeah that that's all we've got time for today it's um, a really important topic and, and i'm glad we we discussed it in such detail and had two two great speakers to, to to go into more depth about this topic um and yeah as i said it shows the need to stay continuously up to date with this threat vector um, which continues to be a fruitful approach for for malicious actors um but with that thank you for joining us today kevin thank you thank you for having me and and it was a great um great topic to to discuss and obviously it's something that we're going to discuss in the future uh to like like to a longer extent because that's something that is not going away so. no ab absolutely and uh, yeah we'll, we'll be doing a lot more content on this area I, I, I think yeah um but yeah thank you everyone for listening today and um see you next time thanks for listening to the info security magazine podcast for in-depth interviews with the industry's leading experts, check out our sister podcast where we sit down with a cybersecurity expert to discuss the hottest topics of the day and their personal journey into cybersecurity. And of course, for more news, analysis and expert insight, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website at infosecurity-magazine.com.